This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Good to have all of you. You're watching my live stream. We're glad to have you here. They leave me all these sticky notes. I'm trying to figure out all my notes up here. Bless you. Again, I'm glad you're here. Happy New Year. Glad you made it here this morning. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real high? Our ushers would gladly get you one. Once you got the, the Word of God in your hand, go with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 12. And I know many of you are still fasting, and so we're on another area of the fast today that I believe will minister to your heart and set you free today as you're turning there. As you're turning to Hebrews 12, let me give you a couple thoughts here. I, I believe uh, 2022 is going to be a really, really good year. Uh, it's going to be a year that you're going to have to continue to climb the mountain, Okay. And when I talk about climbing a mountain, that means you're going to have to stick with it. You're going to have to persevere. You know, when you're going up the mountain, the weather may change. The scenery may change. Life may get a little more difficult, but again, it's living a disciplined life. And I I believe personally this year that this will be a year, and I'm going to quote uh, Romans 4, 17 for you, a year that you call those things that be not as though they are. Actually, that's what the Lord told He told through the Apostle Paul, he said, speak to the mountain. Call those things that don't exist as if they existed. Okay? So I'm just telling you right now, the things that are dead speak life to them. The barren womb speak life to it. The things that begin to speak life to situations and watch what God will move. Well, we're on uh, an area of the fast today that maybe it look a little different, but again, I believe God's wanting to get our hearts right. And so I'm reading this article the other day, and it said that 70% of all people in our society right now are angry about something. Seven out of 10 of us in this room are angry about something. And I had this thought that probably doesn't even count the ones who got on the loop today already. So every one of us in this life, we have opportunities daily to be hurt, to be disappointed, to experience pain. But the thing we must understand is, I, I gotta get my heart right even in this area. So we begin in Hebrews chapter 12, verse one. Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a, a great cloud of witnesses, all the veterans of heaven, the pioneers of faith, he says now, let us lay aside every weight. One translation says, let us put aside every wound that has pierced us. So was he giving us insight here that the weight becomes offenses? Things that happen to us. The Greek has the meaning that you leave the tip of the arrow stuck in you. And so it's very interesting that he says, lay aside every weight and the sin, and the sin which so easily ensnares us, it entangles us, and between the weight and the sin, the the desire is to get you off track of where God wants to take you. And so there's two areas I I gotta deal with, that, that weight, that wound, and sin, and he goes ahead and ends in verse one and says, And let us run with endurance, persistence, perseverance, 
discipline. And when you think of run the race with endurance, again, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And there'll be ones that'll quit, they'll give up, but it's a year, say, Lord, grace me to run this race with endurance. Do you know the very next verse in Hebrews 12, 2, it says the Lord Jesus endured. He had to endure some things. And so me and you are gonna have to endure some things. Now, I'm going to jump to verse 15 because I believe verse 15 or verse 12, verses 12 through 15, I believe it'll highlight in here some of the weight that he's talking about. Hebrews 12, verse 12. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down. Literally mean be made strong in your weaknesses. The grace of God helps me in my weakness. That's 2 Corinthians 12, 9. He goes on to say, and the feeble knees. One translation says, lift your tired hands up in prayer. Get your hands back up. Verse 13, and make straight paths for your feet. Stay on the right path. The proverb says that the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. So I believe he's telling us there, stay on the path that the word of God paints out. Why? So that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. God's desire is to heal. He's to heal us physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And whether we really want to admit it tonight or this morning, that probably means me and you. Maybe in one of these areas, but maybe in all three of them. And a humble heart says, yep, yeah, I could use a healing in every area of my life. Verse 14, pursue peace with all people. Now, when it says pursue peace, you know what this tells me? You're going to have to work at it. It's not going to come naturally. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. And the word holiness is rooted in my life and my lifestyle, the way I live. He goes on to say, without which no one will see the Lord. So when you read what he's talking about here in verse 14, there's going to be a conflict with the world. But we're to seek peace. But in the midst of seeking peace, I cannot sacrifice or compromise holiness, okay? I can't let down my standards. Verse 15. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Now, grace is a, is a resource from God that is designed to help me and you to achieve. Grace is designed to help me and you get through hardships. And so it's interesting here, he says, looking carefully lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Do you know what? He wouldn't have warned us of this if this wasn't a possibility. We really, really need to pay close attention to the grace of God. Hang on to the grace of God. Why is the grace of God so important? Well, look what he says next. Lest any root of bitterness. Now, when we look at the root of bitterness, it's literally a poison root of bitterness. It's, it's a disagreeable feeling 
deep inside of me because life has been unfair to me. I've been offended in this life. I've been mistreated. I've been betrayed. I've been abandoned. I've been to a place where I may be even mad at God. And it's interesting that he says, lest this root of, of bitterness springs up in you. Now, the root of bitterness, it always starts with an offense. And that offense may be little, little, little bitty. But when I allow that offense to stay in my heart, three words I want to highlight that it begins to do to us on the inside. It begins to rot within us. It begins to spoil within us. And ultimately, it will sour within us. The root of bitterness. It's interesting how he he talks about here the root of bitterness. That it will spring up within us. Now, watch what he says the effects of the root of bitterness are. It springs up and it causes trouble. It causes trouble on the inside of us. And the trouble leads to to resentment. It leads to jealousy. It it leads to dissension. It leads to disunity. Those are all the after effects of, of the root of bitterness. And he said, it brings trouble. Now, when I read this, do you know not one of us in here are exempt from the root of bitterness? If I allow those offenses to go without dealing with them in a biblical manner, this is what's going to happen. And look how he ends this verse. And he says, by this, many become defiled. The word defiled means corrupted. It means polluted. And there's an interesting statement in there. He said, many, many. Not a few, many will let the root of bitterness dominate them where they will become corrupted and polluted. So the word many literally to me nowadays means it's an epidemic that's moving right here on this earth. So I I must deal with this root. And when you think about the root, that root contains those nutrients And the deeper that root goes, the more difficult it is to pull it up. Not impossible. So I want to highlight the root of bitterness. If the root of bitterness is embedded in you and it's been there for a while, this may take a little time to get it up, okay? I pray that some things happen this morning, but it may not. And there was a man in the first service. And he said to me, he said, growing up, my father treated me horrible. My father was constantly ugly toward me. And he said, I got to a place in my life where I despised my father. I hated my father. And he said, but I got born again. And when I got born again, he said, one of the men in church told me, he said, you got to forgive your dad. You got to forgive your dad. He said from the time he began to walk out his forgiveness until he totally let it go was 13 years. 13 years. You know what that shows me? There was some deep hurt within him. So what we're going to talk about here this morning 
is we either deal with the root of bitterness man's way, and you know what man says? I'll get even. You can get even. But you're inviting trouble and you're inviting being defiled in your heart. Or I can do it God's way. Turn with me to the book of John chapter 2. John chapter 2. And some of you say, well, I didn't know this is what we were talking about in the fast. Well, we're going somewhere again today, okay? John chapter 2 is where we're heading. This is a little, little bitty short passage here. I'm going to read about the Lord Jesus But this thing is loaded with some nuggets for me and you. John chapter 2, verse 23. Now when he, the Lord Jesus, was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name. Why did they believe in his name? When they saw the signs, which he did. So Jesus is doing all these miracles. And these miracles begin to draw many people. And the many were drawn so much because of the miracles They get born again. They give their heart to Jesus. Verse 24. But Jesus did not commit or entrust himself to them because he knew all men. Because he knew all men. Not a few, not a select one, but he knew all men. And he knew all men's heart was so fickle. And he knew what mankind could do and to be. And it says in verse 25, And he had no need that anyone should testify of men, for he knew what was in man. He knew what man was capable of doing. Now, you know what I can tell you about men? We're a lot like a yo-yo. We're up and we're down. Good days, bad days. We, we may have a great day one day, and two days later, we're miserable. We're kind of like the weather. We change a bunch. And Jesus knew this. Now, what's interesting about this passage is there were many that gave their heart to Jesus. I wish I could tell you how many of these many ultimately turned on Jesus, but a lot of these did. These were the ones who ridiculed Jesus. They lied about Jesus. They crucified Jesus, so his popularity didn't last long with them, even to the point they rejected him. So as I begin to look at this, I have the thought, how did the Lord Jesus deal with people that rejected him, that lied about him, that crucified him? So we fast forward here to the book of Luke chapter 23. The Lord Jesus has been crucified. He's hanging on the cross. And remember what he says? He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He didn't say, Father, forgive me. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, when you read this passage, the Greek says that he said over and over and over and over. Actually, it highlights in there that heaven only knows how many times Jesus said over and over and over, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. So I'm going to rewind just a little bit here where you can get the picture of what we're talking about here. 
the day Jesus was falsely accused, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. That day they put a purple robe on him and a crown of thorns. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. The very day he was flogged and the 39 stripes on his back, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. And then we know biblically that he did that on the cross. You know why I believe Jesus did that? He was not going to allow even the tiniest, a smidgen bit of unforgiveness to try to attach itself to his heart. So I, I must learn from this. I must learn from what the Lord Jesus did that I believe he tells us in the scriptures, Luke 17, he said, offenses are going to come. It's not if they're going to come, it's what am I going to do with when they do come? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. What would happen if we begin to live in that statement? If we begin to live in that prayer? You know, years ago, I read a story about this guy. He was an older brother, and he had a younger sister. And he found out that a man in authority at the school she went to had raped her. And when the older brother found out, he said out of his mouth, he said, it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get him. Do you know some of the strongest things we do is through a thing called an inner vow. When we make an inner vow on that, something happens with us, we say. Have any of you ever said, if it's the last thing I'm going to do, I'm going to, I've said that. So he said that over and over. It's the last thing I'm going to do, I'm going to get him. Now, I put myself in the story. I'm with him. It's the last thing I do. I'm going to get you. But in a short period of time, when that began to happen, this same man got born again and gave his heart to Jesus. And he began to hear the scriptures that if you don't forgive others, Father God can't forgive you. And he said, but God, that's not fair. That's not fair. And God said, let me take revenge. So the Lord put a little nugget in this guy. And he said, every time you have a bad thought about that man, every time something in you wants to hurt him, say this out of your mouth. Father God, I ask you to do a work in him and do a work in me. And he said, there'll be days I, I envision myself to start out whipping him punching him in the head, and then I'd catch myself and I'd say, Father God, do a work in him. Do a work in him. Do a work in me. And you know, after a period of time, he said he was able to release that to God. He didn't plot revenge. Now, speaking of revenge, turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter number 12. Romans chapter 12. And I know sometimes when we talk about revenge, when we talk about getting even, some people will make the statement, well, that's just my personality. That's just who I am. That's just who my family is. We get even. We don't forgive. We get even. Well, can I tell you something? You can do that. You can harbor that unforgiveness and that bitterness, but you won't experience the blessings of God. You won't experience the favor of God. When I start living my life that way. You know, in my preparation this week, I'm reading this passage and there's a, 
older man who was a retired Methodist pastor. And he goes to church one day and he's hearing a service, a sermon on these very same lines. And the minister said, I want you to look deep into your life and to see if there's any resentment within you. Any form of resentment. Now as the story went on, I found out that this minister, all his fingers were crippled like this. So bad he couldn't shake your hand, so bad he couldn't even open his car door. So that morning he's hearing that. Search my heart, Lord. Show me if there's resentment in me. And you know what he said? I realized after 40 years of being a pastor, I had a lot of resentment in him, he said. Stuff that I just kind of filed away. And I had hurt and hurt and hurt. And he said, but each day I begin to forgive those people. And he said, one by one, week by week, Every time I would forgive those people and I would say, Father God, I release them. I don't plot vengeance. He said a finger would open up. And then another finger. And then another finger. Before long, all his hands were opened back up. Now, I don't bring this book in here very much because it's really, really big. But it's called A More Excellent Way to Be in Health. And... I get into this book every week. Um, if someone comes to me and says, hey, this person in my family is suffering from this situation. You know what I do? I, I go in here and I'll look up, just for instance, gallbladder. It will take me and define stuff that happens with the gallbladder that's associated with sin and unforgiveness. It's incredible. I mean, I had a guy one day I was at the hospital and his wife was suffering from something. And I said, does she deal with this, this, and this? And he said, yeah, how do you know all that? And I thought, I don't, it's in this book. <laughs> Listen to this. He's dealing with five different people who all five had arthritis. I asked them to think about the people who had injured each of them in their lifetime either through word or deed. Someone who didn't treat them right, victimized them, lied about them, abused them, either emotionally, physically, verbally, or maybe even sexually. I asked them, when you think of their name or their face, whether they're living or dead, what do you feel? Do any of you have that high octane ping go off on the inside? I've had a high octane ping go off on me on the inside. I've been a place of business and I came down an aisle and I looked and there was a person who had wronged me and it was a high octane ping that I looked and I thought, I'll rub the hair off your head. I've experienced that. Have you, have you guys not experienced that? Okay, all you who didn't agree, you liars, come on down. I want to help you. He goes on to say here. They all said, yes, there is somebody that I have not had resolution with. 
There was bitterness and forgiveness, and I told them in exchange for their healing, they would have to get that right with God. And he then quotes Matthew 6, uh, 6.15, which is in the Lord's Prayer. And whether you realize this or not, when you say the Lord's Prayer, we say, Father God, forgive me my trespasses as I forgive those who trespass against me. I never did pray that. Oh, yeah, you did. See, oftentimes when we get to the Lord's Prayer, we, we, we read over that. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done right here on earth as in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread. Forgive me my trespasses. I forgive those who trespass against me. We don't even catch that. So my Father's forgiveness of me is dependent on my forgiveness of others. How are you doing? How am I doing? Watch this. Apostle Paul, Romans 12, verse 17. Repay no one evil for evil. Never pay back evil for evil or more evil with more evil. Never pay back. Never do it. And when I read verses like this, I think, was the Lord really serious about that? He's serious. Never pay back evil for evil. Have regard for good things in the sight of all men. Have sight of good things. Now I want to help you with that just a little bit. Most of us in this room, we lean more to find out bad things than good things. It's easy for me to point out everybody else's fault instead of the good things. Do you agree with that? It's very easy. Human nature, that's how we operate. You know, when I was in Bible school, the school I went to, the, the president was a guy named Kenneth Aiken. And he told this story that he was at work and the place he worked at that time, when they would take their lunch break, everybody would be critical of this one guy. They would say, he's a lazy butt. He's never on time. Da-da-da-da-da, just rip him over and over. Have you ever been in a workplace like that? Have you ever chimed in on that? Well, Brother Hagin never said a word. And after they finished ridiculing the guy, they looked at him and said, don't you have anything to say about him? And he said, yeah. He's got pretty blue eyes. You know what he was saying? It's easy to find the fault about people. But why don't we go look at the good in people? Why don't we look at the good in people? And I believe to a degree, this is what the apostle Paul was saying. Keep reading verse 18. If it is possible... You may underline possible as much as depends on you, not depends on the other person. If you notice, he said, as much as depends on you, and I want to mark that out in my Bible. I want to erase it and remove that part. I don't like that part. But only the truth sets us free. As much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Because some people remain violently opposed to us, 
There are times when all efforts of peace are going to fail. But as Christians, I must make certain that the fault of this doesn't come back to me. Okay? You know why? As Christians, we live to a higher standard. Son of Abednego, we live to a higher standard. Verse 19. Beloved, fellow Christians, believers, do not avenge yourself. Do not be obsessed with taking revenge. Now, it's interesting. The apostle Paul is the writer of this. This is the guy, I don't know how many times he was stoned. I don't know how many times he was beaten up, left for dead. But yet he said, don't avenge yourself. Don't do it. But rather give place to wrath. Leave it or turn it over to God. Now, how do we know this is what he's talking about? Watch what he keeps reading here. For it is written, vengeance is mine. So if vengeance is God, you know what that means? It's not mine. It's not yours. You know, there's probably a number of things in the Bible that are God's, but I can tell you two right off. The tithe is God's and vengeance is God. Don't mess with either one, okay? Vengeance is mine. Now look what he says. I will repay, says the Lord. If you were to look at my Bible in orange marker, it says, I will repay, says the Lord. I have to remind myself, you don't spell my name big G or little G-O-D, either one. God said he would repay. It's not my job to repay. So I must turn that vengeance over to God. I must relieve that to that, release that to God. And again, you can do it your way, you can do it man's way, or you can do it God's way. But something happens when I let God fight my battles. When God rights my wrongs. Now over the years of, of pastoring, I've got to witness extraordinary cases of forgiveness. I mean, once I, I look at people, how I saw the grace of God worked in them. And when they would tell me the stories of their life, I've told many of them, you're more of a man of God than I've ever been. So this past June, Shelly's two years younger than me. I know she doesn't look it, but she is. Just kidding. Relax, okay? Relax. So we go to her class reunion. It's her 10-year class reunion. Not really. <laughs> 40. <laughs> so anyhow, I'm there. and I get around this guy. And I, I knew him growing up. Um, he had battled drugs early in life. 
got married at a young age, had a daughter. They divorced, and then uh, ultimately he was sentenced to federal prison for drug charges. So I'm, I'm visiting with him, and he's kind of freaking me out because I can see how God's moving in his life. And he tells me, he said, you really freak me out what you do now. And I said, me too. And so he said, you know, as a father with my young daughter, I did horrible. I wasn't there. And she got into all kinds of trouble. And he said, one night she called and said, can I come stay at your house? And he said, yeah, you can stay at the house, but I'm out of town at work, but you can stay there. Well, the day he was sentenced to federal prison, he had a person that came and said to him, I, I got to tell you this, I got to tell you this before you go to prison. He said, the guy who was your roommate at your house the night your daughter came over there, he raped your 15-year-old daughter. So now this guy's going to federal prison, but now he's got a whole nother dish on his plate to deal with and he says this to me he said when I got into prison I started making those inner vows and he said I said if it's the last thing I do when I get out of here I'm going to kill him I'm going to kill him now we can look and have the thought that's really Christ like but let me ask you something what would you do and when he was telling me the story, I looked at him and I thought, I know what I'd do. And he said, so day after day, week after week, he, he would meditate on this. I'm going to get him. He said he had a calendar in his cell that he was marking off days when he knew he had the opportunity to be paroled. But there was a day in the prison that he heard about Jesus. And he gave his heart to Jesus. And he got born again. And in that prison cell, he started saying out of his mouth, Father God, I, I forgive this guy. I forgive him for what he did to my daughter. I forgive him, Lord. I forgive him. He gets released from prison. The first week he's out of prison, he's at a convenience store. He's on this side of the counter and he looks across the other side and there's the guy who had raped his daughter. Now, this is where we jump into the equation to, what would you have done? And he said, that, that ping started trying to come back at me. That, I'm going to get him, huh? And he said, it's the grace of God. And he said, I got outside and I got to my car and he said, Father, forgive him. Father, forgive him. And he said, you know what? Something shifted in my heart. He said, I didn't have resentment. I didn't plot revenge against him. And you guys know I'm, I'm easy to cry at times. I get real sensitive to the things of God. And I, I begin to boo-hoo. And I looked at him and I said, you're a champion in my eyes. You're a champion. I could take two hours and tell you story after story about people in this house that I've seen walk out forgiveness by the grace of God. 
And the reason I tell you those stories, I'm not denying that you've been hurt. I'm not denying that you've been rejected. But I must learn to deal with this in a biblical manner. Galatians, did I tell you to go to Galatians? Galatians chapter 6. This is what we'll end with. Galatians chapter 6. Verse 7. Do not be deceived. Don't, don't be misled, okay? God is not mocked. God will not be made a fool of. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Whatever a man sows, that's what he'll reap. Now I pray right now that that word whatever, it, it marinates in your heart and my heart. Whatever a man sows, that's what he'll reap. If you sow unforgiveness, I don't care who you are, you're going to reap unforgiveness. If you sow bitterness, if you sow rage, anger, murder, that's what you're going to reap. And that, that unforgiveness, that stuff that you sow could be toward a sibling. It could be toward your mom, your parents, toward a, a cousin, a co-worker. But understand this, whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Don't be deceived, he's saying. Now watch what he goes on to say in verse 8. For he who sows to the flesh will reap of the flesh corruption. So when you allow this thing called your flesh to make the decisions of your life, you might as well understand you will reap corruption. That's not good. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. When I allow God, His grace, when I allow the Holy Spirit to come in, and I say, Lord, go to work in me. Go to work in me. Understand here, this is usually used in a giving content, but it's used in every area of life, I believe, when he says this. And so the harvest you're going to reap is determined by the siege you sow. And the law of forgiveness says this, you want forgiveness, then you must give forgiveness. So, Pastor, why don't you talk about this while we're fasting? Because I said it last week, we can fast all day long. We can pray until we've worn our, our jeans, knees areas right out. But it won't do a bit of good as long as I got unforgiveness in my heart. As long as I have resentment that's planted in there. And maybe you're here today and you've made inner vows and said, if it's the last thing, what would happen if we would allow God to pour his grace upon us? What would begin to happen if we said, Lord, I'm going to turn that over to you. Just stand on your feet here with me. Let me highlight something to you.
John 8, 32, the Lord Jesus himself said, only the truth sets us free. Only the, I believe with all my heart, God, God wants you to walk 2020. Actually, God wants us to walk the rest of our lives here in freedom of this. Where I'm like Jesus, grace me, Lord, over and over. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. What would happen if he, he, he put that garment or that cloak on us where we just, Father, forgive them for they know what they do. Do a work in him, Lord. Do a work in me. Now understand clearly right now. I'm not saying those things that happened to you weren't real. I'm not saying we just sweep them under the rug. You know, I had a lady that she'd, she'd sit right here. Her brother right here, it's been a number of years ago, he was stabbed to death right here in Lubbock. I don't remember as bad how many times he stabbed him right here in the heart and killed him. They go to the sentence to sentence the guy who did it. And after they sentence him to life, they allow the family members to speak to him. She said, one of my brother got up and said, I pray you rot in jail. Another one of her siblings got up and said, I pray you burn in hell. And she said, I got up and I looked and said, you're being punished rightfully what you did. But she said, I want you to know, I forgive you. I looked at that girl when she said that to me and I thought, you're a champion. Again, what we go through in this life is not easy. But God said, Let, let's get rid of those weights. They get rid of those things that so easily entangle us and snare us, okay? Bow your head with me here. Father God, we ask right now for every one of us in here that you would just reveal in our hearts if there's resentment in me, if there's revenge in me, if I, if I know I've plotted revenge, I've said it out of my mouth, Ooh, Father God, we repent of that. And we ask you today to just, just baptize us with your grace. Holy Spirit, do a work within our hearts today. That, Lord, we pray that unforgiveness is removed and that root of bitterness is pulled up. So as our team gets ready to play here, I'm going to open these altars up. And these altars are always meant for you to have an experience and an encounter with God. Where you come to God and you come to God and say, just as I am. Just as I am, Father God, I come. And you may come down here and repent. You may come down here and say, take that arrow tip out of me. Take that bitterness out of me. But you know what I've said in my life? That I've said this numerous times this morning already. I said, Lord, I, I want you to put that garment of forgiveness on me. I, I want to walk through life. And when, when offense comes at me, I say, oh, Lord, do a work in them. Do a work in them. I, I don't want to let people's offenses toward me get me off track. And so what would happen if we just came down here and said, Lord, put that, that cloak of grace on us today. 
I welcome you to come to these altars. Go ahead, guys. Let's sing. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.